All right, everybody, it's time to get your game right. Today on the show, as usual, we have a guest who is an influencer in baseball communities. Uh, not always are they at the big league level, as you know from now. All, all of our uh, information that we're putting out is relevant, stuff that people want to hear, they need to hear, whether you have a kid who's five years old or you've been in the big leagues for 20 years or you're a dad or you're a mom or you're a coach. We're trying to provide the most usable information. So today on the show, uh, we have Ty Lyons. Ty Lyons has been involved in baseball throughout his entire life. Uh, had a pretty pretty successful high school career. Did some good things in the game, and now has found an opportunity and ways to try to give back to the game that he loves so much. Ty, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, is there is there anything? Is there one thing you know as far as when we get started here that uh, kind of made you passionate about baseball to to pursue the things that you're doing now? Hey, first of all, thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, just growing up, uh, my, my, uh, my father uh, influenced me a lot uh, in, the, in my surroundings. You know, where we come from in Kansas, uh, from Hutchinson, Kansas, it's a uh, baseball back then was a, was a big deal. And, and uh, you know, and, and I just I had a love for it at a young age. So as that love kind of kept growing, you know, the love for the game, and then you went on to play high school ball. What was, what was uh, kind of the, the levels as far as you going through high school and things like that, that when, when you were playing that you went through? Uh, well, uh, you know, I always, had, I always had great coaches. When I, was, uh, when I was a kid, you know, it was, always, it was always my dad, my best friend's dad. We always, you know, and I was playing on a team uh, with a bunch of friends that I played with forever, uh, and, that, and that carried into high school. Um, you know, uh, the, the same team that we had as kids, we had the same, you know, we had the same group of guys in high school, um, you know, and, and then I always, and then going on from there, you know, we had another group of good coaches. Um, and, uh, I think that's, that's where it, that's where it needs to start is, is, uh, you know, the coaches, the coaches making it likable, the coaches making it fun. And is there, is there, is there something you see, uh, just nationwide in today's game, that, that maybe, you know, some of that fun aspect is getting drawn out of the game? Well, you know, obviously travel ball is where it's at right now. Um, and, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I believe that any kid that has the willingness and desire and love of the game deserves an opportunity, um, especially at young ages. You know, when you're 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, you know, being cut from a team could – could devastate you, you know, more, more so than, you know, on a high school team, when you get to the higher levels, you know, cuts are, cuts are, cuts are there. That's just the way it goes. But at a young age, I think these kids deserve, if they, if they have a willingness and a want to learn, I think they deserve an opportunity. And, you know, and, and, uh, and baseball is one of those sports that, that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be an extreme athlete to do, to play. And I, you know, and, and, and so, you know, when these kids are getting cut from from young teams, yeah, I think the, I think the love of the game is is uh, is being hurt there. Yeah, I mean, it's just common sense. You know, if, even if you like to do something, but people just tell you you're flat out not good enough all the time, uh, you're going to lose that passion. And, and who knows how the kid would develop given opportunities at younger ages. Like you said, you get older, your your body matures, you get bigger, you get stronger. But just because a kid has hair under his armpits when he's 11 or 12 doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a better player 
when he's 18 than a kid who wasn't as good when he was was 10 or 11 that same age as him right that's exactly right and I think that is a disconnect that we have putting more of the emphasis on production and winning ball games at such a young age I think it's the competitive mindset is very important to instill in kids sure but at the same time the end-all be-all is development for kids uh, so you're going on now and, and, and trying to provide opportunities for kids in, in the, 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 what we call it the newer day of baseball, you know, with travel balls and showcases yeah. and things of that. Uh, how, does, how does your system, how does uh, your indoor, how do you kind of correlate that into a kid's development on top of doing travel teams and on top of uh, some of the other things that they have? And what age groups are you primarily focused on? We're focused on anywhere from eight-year-olds to 16, 17-year-olds. Um, and that's in both baseball and softball, what we run out of the Hutch Home Plate Club. But um, we're focused on bridging the gap between $20 rec ball and super competitive, let's travel every weekend, uh, showcase ball. Um, mm-hmm. We're trying to bridge that gap. We're trying, you know... We don't necessarily do, uh, you know, uh, legitimate tryouts. We call them uh, skills assessments. And, you know, any kid that wants to come out, we do our darndest to find them a spot on the team. Um, and, and, you know, and just give them the opportunity. And then with that, they get, you know, uh, there, is, there is some membership fees involved with that. But, uh, and part of that, though, gets them uh, membership to the club, to the indoor club. And, and uh get some, you know, they, there's lessons involved in that. There's private lessons. There's, you know, uh, my, my partner, Zach Kirk from Hutchinson, Kansas, he, you know, he goes out to, to the, to the ball diamonds on a, on a nice Saturday, puts it out there and says, anybody that wants to come out and, and have a lesson, have a hitting lesson, have a grounder lesson, have a fly ball lesson is, is able to come. And that's, I don't, it doesn't matter if they're eight years old or if they're 18 years old. And they want to come out, they want to come out and learn. They can come out and learn. And that's important, you know. the The want to's got to be there, obviously, and then and then making it available to the kids with anything. Now, any activity that a kid's going to be in is going to come with with some cost to a parent. Sure. There's just there's no way around that. The logistics of it, the time of it, the things, the resources, and all this stuff. It would be great if we lived in a Nirvana world to where you get everything you want for free. But I don't think that 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 should happen. So yeah. uh, it's it when when parents look at all these different things to send kids to, uh, you know, because basically the way I look at it is I want people to get the most for the money that they put into it. I don't, I want, I want to see kids develop, build character, things like this. And I think from what you're saying and what we've been seeing is some of the the local uh, rec teams are losing out in facilitating a little bit of this uh, for the kid who wants to get better, but, him and his parents, they just either can't or, or don't want to spend every single weekend of their life and their entire life surrounded by baseball 365 days out of the year. That's right. And I think with that, there breeds another aspect, which I think a program like yours, the way you're trying to structure it, from what you've told me in the past and what we're talking about, is not only are you trying to breed uh, a better baseball player, but also – you're instilling that sports mindset into a community as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, when you, when you think about sports and what they've done in society, uh, I think community is a big, big part of why sports has been successful in America 
and, a tr- and continues to be successful. And that's something I think as a whole, we don't want to lose. Oh no, absolutely not. So the local teams, when the kid goes and plays in Texas and things, and I think we'll go through a lot more of this, but I, I really want to see community more involved. How do we do that? I, it obviously starts at a local level, like with what you're doing. And it takes a lot of manpower and a lot of uh, uh, giving up other things in your life to be able to facilitate that for kids. But what's that kind of look like on a daily basis? And, and how, how are you going about in integrating the community aspect into the baseball aspect? Sure. Well, uh, you know, starting, uh, 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 purchasing the club was, was the start of it. And then getting, getting the word out that we were open. Um, you know, there was a place now for kids to go, uh, for, you know, batting cages, they're able to take ground balls. They're able to do all of that. Um, that was the first step. Second step is, is getting the kids themselves more involved in, in, uh, fundraising for the teams, as opposed to asking the parents for, you know, however much money out of their pockets, we put it in the kids' hands to get out there in the community. They, they go and they, they wait on tables at a local pizza restaurant or sell raffle tickets or whatnot, but it's them getting out in the community, letting them know that we're there, letting them know that, that, you know, that they're, they're working hard, they're trying. And when people start to see that, you know, they start to join in a little bit. They start to buy into the concept. And yeah, I love, I love that model. I absolutely love that model as far as, you know, if the kids want to do it, if the ones there, you can provide it, especially the more that they have invested into it, the more in the end they're going to get out of it. It's, that's part of the character building process, right? Yeah. It, it, when, you, when you see the when you it's just like in, in, a, in an adult's life, when you work hard for something and you achieve that goal because of the hard work, it comes back to you tenfold. And the, and the kids, believe it or not, are smart enough to, to, to grasp it. They, you know, they start to see it. And I think kids naturally, if given opportunities like that, like, hey, let's go do a fundraiser, and that's going to help uh, provide us an opportunity to play baseball uh, where that wasn't before, I think that's a really cool idea. I don't think that there's any, as a whole, for the most part, what, what you see a lot of now is parents just going to shell out the money uh, for whatever their kid wants. And I don't want to see a culture of kids that just grow up and, hey, everybody needs to provide me every opportunity in the world without having to do something to help provide my own opportunities. Exactly. Exactly. And that carries over onto the field. You know, it carries, it's the, it's the work ethic. It, it's the, you know, it's instilling a, 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 a skill set into them, you know, how to work hard. And that's going to carry on for the rest of their lives, you know, because, you know, what whatever percentage of these kids aren't going to go on to play pro baseball, but starting them with this, you know, with this ethic and this and these uh, skills at a young age, it's going to carry on to their to their to their lives as an adult. Which is really what community and sports, I think, should still be about. And I like seeing things like your program that's trying to uh, get that coming back. Now, obviously, with that said, there's a whole set of challenges that comes to it. Everybody wants to start an indoor facility. Everybody thinks that they want to do things like this. You know, actually starting the process is a little bit scary and a little bit undetermined because you see so many of these. And even before you did it, somebody else had it and it didn't work, you know. And and so how do you get around some of that, even the thoughts to just start it? And then for anybody out there listening who's thinking about maybe doing something like this, how do you approach it? And and what are realistic goals and expectations that they can have? And 
you know, as they're building it. Yeah. We, you know, it's, it, we just, we, we just keep on pushing on basically, uh, you know, uh, again, getting the, getting the, uh, the kids involved in it. Um, you know, uh, uh, get, you know, having, having the, we, you know, we started to definite, uh, you know, an actual club team that runs out of it, but, you know, we try to make, we try to make it for an umbrella for all local teams, um, mm-hmm. you know, give everybody the opportunity to come in, you know, at, whether you discount the prices or whether you, whether you don't, it doesn't, that doesn't make a difference, but you, you create an umbrella for all local teams to be able to come in and play under one umbrella. And then, and then just, and then, you know, just continue to grow from there. And, and don't get me wrong. It's tough. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a slow road at the beginning, but, um, you know, just like you said, getting, trying to get as much of the community involved as possible, um, you know, and prove, prove that, you know, what one thing that we do is actually prove that we're there for their children. You know, we're not, we're not there to make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. We're there, we're there to, to, to do what we say we're going to do, what we want to do. And that's improve the game, improve the, the game in the community um, that we're in. So build them, you got to build the respect factor. You know, you have, you got to get to a point where people, when they see their kids enjoying the game and getting better. And then eventually, you know, uh, they're a kid who plays on the varsity high school team or goes on and gets a scholarship. You know, you're still new enough that you haven't seen some of that yet, but I think the path you're going on, if you continue and can get through some of the bumps, you will see that. And that's really, you know, the, the mission and the goal uh, it, it's with get your game right as to how do we maximize these kids' skills through their mindset, and yep. ob- obviously you're doing it at a, at a level with uh, that's developmental mindseted to where hey let's make these kids better baseball players, give them an opportunity to be excited about something other than video games or something other than the monotonous day to day tasks that they go through that they can learn and develop some character building, uh, some essentials about life that are, is going to help them. All that stuff is is really really good. And obviously, I wish you nothing but the best moving forward with it. So, you know, after you built this, so what's the what's the end all be all goal per se as far as the impact? Not only you know in, in your local community, do you see this uh, getting bigger, or, or are you just kind of taking it a step at a time? Uh, we, you know, we're taking it a step at a time. Yes, of course, the end all be all goal is to is to grow it as much as we possibly can. But the the main goal is for is to kind of build. Uh, you know, we come from a smaller community in Kansas. Uh, you know, we uh, so the 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 goal right now is to build kind of what we consider to be a farm club for the local high schools, so they know, you know, so they can they the the coaches there can can see the kids coming up. They can see what they have, you know, all the way down for the next ten years. They can see what they have coming up into their program, and and uh, and you know, and just bring bring the sport back. Um, it, uh, you know, and that's, like I said, that's both on the baseball and softball side of things. We have both boys and girls and, you know, right now we're just, we're just trying to grow the, to help the high school coaches and local college coaches grow their programs as well. Yeah. I like that concept. I've never even thought about it that way, but essentially what, what you're doing is trying to, you know, help kids get an opportunity and be seen at a next level Yes, by somebody absolutely. at the next level, whether it's the, the local high school coaches whether it's a, a junior college coach or a, a scout or whoever it is, you're helping them have a radar map, put them on the radar a little bit, even being from smaller towns that say, Hey, we have a legit program over here. 
uh, our players are just as good as players in New Jersey or our players are just as good as players that are in Florida. You know, maybe you haven't had that exposure and doing it in a developmental manner is going to breed, in my opinion, and this is, this is yet to be determined for some of this, but I, I, I really do believe that if you build good baseball players, they're going to have a spot to play if they are skilled and, and they have the ability to go to the next level. Those are yep. the players coaches, coaches want. And yep. with uh, the showcase programs I see a lot of, uh, and, and I have yet to have a showcase person want to be on the show, and we're going to keep reaching out to more and more to try to dissect, hey, what exactly, how is this benefiting a kid? Right. I mean, you know, the, the showcase tournaments, no, nothing against them. I you know they're, they're trying to help those kids out. But it, it's, it, you know, there's, there's the old, or at least my philosophy is you can take a team of 12 complete stud muffin all-stars that have never played together, put them on a team, and there's no guarantee that that team is going to go out and win every single tournament that they play in. You know, but, you know, but, you know, if the kid is, if the kid is good enough, I think they need to be, you know, there needs to be something like the showcase teams, but there's also, there's also plenty of kids out there that aren't born all-stars that still have the ability to go out and make something of themselves in the sport, you know, later on in life. I mean, the, the tale is old, you know, the, the old story, Michael Jordan cut from his high school basketball team. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, same principle. So you're saying we're, 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 we need to add more dynamic than what you're doing is adding that dynamic for the kid who's not the one percenter, exactly. you know, and giving them more opportunity to get looked at by some of these coaches as opposed to getting looked over. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. I think that's, that's, that's good philosophy because I, what a lot of people tell me and a lot of people that uh, when I say a showcase camp, I would agree, I would agree a hundred percent. That's not the end all be all for every kid. Is there a right. place for them? You know, there might be. And what a lot of people tell me is, oh, well, you know what I want? I want my kid to be around the best talent to push him more. And I right. say, I completely understand that because you don't know how good you are until somebody's better than you. And there's no reason to get better until somebody is better than you. Right. And there's, uh, but I, I also see there's a big dynamic of if you really want to succeed as a baseball player, how can you make uh, your play better to help your team? Right. So that's what I would, I, I go back with that. And then I say, is it really all about being around better people or better players? Is that going to always help every kid? And the question that I would ask any parent who's, who's listening right now, okay, you can send your kid to a showcase camp with the, the most primo talent on the planet. If they're not ready to compete against that talent, we go back to, well, you're not good enough. And people start labeling them as not being a good enough player. And maybe it's just they haven't developed. It could be their, their skill set's a little behind, whatever it is. And they're going against the 1% of talent at the high school level. And their yep. talent isn't as good yet. And it, it could just break their spirit and, and demean them to the point that they're like, well, what's the point of this? I'm never going to make it. Well, exactly. Exactly. That's, and that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to say is, so what happens to that kid's mind when that happens to him? He, he, may, he may quit for good. And, you know, and, and that's, that's what I don't want to see happen. I think adversity needs to come in stages. And so as opposed to all, every bit of adversity comes on you right now, it's really hard to overcome that at a young age. We're putting oh. so much pressure. And when you put so much pressure on these kids to succeed, when in reality, most of them 
all they need to worry about is getting better on a daily basis. Like Precisely. quit worrying so much about what's, what's going to happen two years from now. You get people, I get messages about, you know, how do I get my kid to the big leagues? And I'm like, you're completely missing the whole picture here. Right. The whole picture is how can we get, make these kids better on a daily basis and how can we influence them in life? And that's what local coaches can do. I really think that their, their stronghold is I want every one of these kids to come out better for doing this, not just the yeah. one percenters, not just the best kid on the team. So I can say, Oh, I had a kid that got, that got drafted in the third round. And then, then what they'll do is live on that and they'll do baseball drills based on, you know, I got this kid drafted in the third round and this kid drafted in the first and this kid drafted in the second. What, what happened to all the other kids? That's what I like to know. Right. And what happens to these kids as they develop when they do hit adversity, do they fold like a sack of potatoes or do they fight through it? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, uh, like I said, you know, the, you know, out, outside of those one percenters, there's still a lot of kids out there that have, uh, they may not be, have the extreme talent level, but they have the will and they have the desire to get better. And I see no reason to stop trying to help them as long as they have that. Yeah. And what else are they going to be doing? Right. You know, they're, they're, if they're not playing baseball or if they're not in an activity, whatever it is, what are they going to be doing instead of that? So if right. we start if we start demoting activities, uh, especially activities that have the potential to build character if done the right way, what other activities are we going to have them do? If, are we going to stretch them out into opportunities that are strictly uh, uh, tech, technological related? Like, are we going to get them into on the computer and have them learn how to write script when they're twelve? Uh, what 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 kind of fundamental principles is that building for them in life compared to learning how to be on a team, learning how to achieve better every day, how to get better on a baseball field. There's a lot of aspects that go into it. What are the other options? And, and I would like for somebody to comment on this to tell me what, if it's not sports and it's not activities such as band and, and things like that, what activities are a bulk of these kids who, for the most part, uh, me being an athlete, a younger athlete, I was ADHD, hyperactive. For those kids... Are we just going to set them in a classroom and expect them to just uh, dig, dig deep into books and that's what they're going to like and that's it? I yeah. think there's, there's something for everybody. And if you take away opportunity from them, it's really going to hinder them in the longevity of their life. Yeah, and that, and that, that falls back to the, to the coaches. You know, uh, you and I have talked before. Coaches have to, have to, uh, they have to be able to be a teacher. They have to be able to be a friend. They have to be able to be, you know, a hard butt when they need to. And they also have to learn how to teach. And the kids, you know, it, the more people in their lives that they have like that, they're going to be, they're going to learn how to be taught. They're going to learn how to learn. And, you know, and if you just, if you just set them aside because they're not, they're not. Uh, right now, I mean. Yeah, you cut out for a half second. So coaches, the coaches teaching kids, helping them learn how to learn. And, and I love to learn how to learn. That's one of the big phrases we have to get your game right, too. You have to actually learn how to have the capacity to learn. Sure. And for me, the, the platform that I learned best in with life values and views was through sports and activity. Like physical activity uh, was a way for me to not only exercise my energy, but exercise uh, learning 
during an activity, which was fun, right? As opposed sure. to having to sit down and, and try to read out of a textbook. I don't think most, and especially for, for young men, I think most of us are wired, you know, everybody's different, but for the most part, there's men and women alike who are wired that they learn better through hands-on activity. They learn better on seeing direct results of, oh, if I don't catch that pop fly, that means the runner gets on base, right? Yeah. And learning rules inside the game and structure that way, as opposed to you need to sit there and be quiet for eight hours in a classroom. Uh, that wasn't the best way for me to learn. And that's me you see kids that act out. You see uh, a lot of kids doing this stuff. They just need an avenue to express themselves. Yep, yep exactly. Yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the get, hand me a book and have me sit down and learn it. No, that, that wasn't me at all. I had to be, have somebody physically in front of me, you know, like showing me the results, showing me what I needed to do. And then and I went then, out and did it. And then, then you see results of getting better, which is at the end, I, I want every kid to see, okay, I put in time and work and I got better. It's yeah. easy. It's easy to say those things, but these avenues that you're creating are helping kids do that. So, so moving on a little bit. Uh, so the next topic I think that is of uh, the utmost relevance is how do you, uh, being in, in a mentor position to kids, uh, interact and exchange with parents? What are, what are some things that you've seen have been productive ways of doing it as parents? And what are some ways that you think have been less productive? I ask, I always ask, uh, when I was coaching, I would, when I was coaching the travel teams, I would, I would ask my parents that when the kids stepped onto the field to let me have them, to let me have their attention. Um, you know, and you don't have to be a jerk when you say it. There's no reason to be a jerk when you say it like that and laying a threatening mat. You just ask them. When they're on the field and they're in the dugout, let me have their attention. That's 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 the office, and that's they're there to do work. You know, um, you know. I always ask that if you know, because there's always the parents that are if the if the kid messes up in the game or does something wrong or whatever, they're gonna they're gonna ride their butts the entire drive home, right? And I always, you know, I always ask, you know, if you want to say something, give it five minutes on the ride home and then drop it. Um, you know, th those, those methods have been pretty productive. Um, you know, I've had a tendency to uh, a couple times that I've, I've had to get on parents and actually be the jerk, and that's, that's not as productive. You know, it, it, when dealing with parents, you're dealing with their babies. You know, you're, you're coaching their babies, and they're, they're, they're trusting you with their baby's safety and, you know, and well-being. So, you know, I've always approached it in the nicest possible way I, I could. So be respectful, but still have a set some boundaries. Exactly. Exactly. So an example of your boundary is obviously, hey, when they're on the field, let me have them. You know, the, uh, going back to the parents and, and understanding that building a culture and community starts at home. Right. Yeah. So trying to build what you're building, it's got to start at the house uh, and for people to understand that, Hey, when I send my kid to a place, I have confidence in them that they're going to, they're going to do the right things and help me take care of the kids. What, what I always uh, stress is a coach like yourself would much rather a parent in private or vice versa in private, come up and you can talk through some situations if they have an issue or if you're having an issue or you're seeing something as opposed to, to, to air it in front of the kids 
or airmailing it uh, like during practice and, and things like that, even if the parent's not around. Uh, I've seen, and that obviously that's going to create serious tension. So sure. if, if a kid goes home and, and basically the parent is just continually saying, you know, that tie, he doesn't know anything. Uh, well, you have the option to remove your kid from the team, but also right. why, why can't you just have a discussion with the coach, a uh, civil discussion. And uh, that's where coaches really have to dial down an egotistical mindset that they know everything. And exactly. that's something that I, I feel strongly about, even in my position, you know, with my background in baseball, I do know a lot of things, but I know I don't know everything. And that's right. why I love having parents and, and coaches and, and different people on who have a totally different perspective to be able to get more insight on, on those matters. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You, you know, and that's where, that's where the, the proof is in the pudding comes back into play. You know, coaches have to be able to show parents as well as the kids, you know, the, the results, but the coaches also, you know, in my opinion, you have to have an open door policy, you know, um, and even if they do come at you like a jerk, you know, you have to, like you said, dial down the ego and, and talk to them. And, but you have to have a, you have to have an open door allowing that to happen. And then it comes back to, I think every team, young teams, showcase teams, I don't care who they are. You have to have some basic principles and ideas that are your guidelines. Sure. So, so that way, if somebody comes to you and, and you set a boundary, you have a reason for that boundary. You know, yours could be as simple as, for instance, hey, give them to me when they're on the field. This is the reason why. You know, have a why behind uh, why you're uh, the asking them and then give them a why. If, then if they don't agree with your why right out the gate, then you discuss it. Well, I want right. their attention when they're on the field because uh, when I see them looking up into the stands and their head's not locking to the game, they're not learning the fundamentals and the aspects of the game that we're, we're trying to teach. Right. You know, whatever it is. And I think if you have a, for every coach, I think all you got to do is just sit down and really think, okay, what are we doing here? What are we trying to accomplish and, and why? Right. Yeah. There's, there's, there's got to be goals in whatever you do in life, you know, and, and this is no different. This is absolutely no different. Yeah. When a coach, if a coach, and I had these discussions off and on, if, if somebody's telling me, I don't agree with you on this. And I tell them, well, this is why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. Then they can give me their point of view on maybe how I can do it better. Cause that's what, right. that's what I think as a whole. And this is where we get some disconnect in the baseball community. There's disconnect in, I know better than you. And then the other person thinks, no, I know better than you. And here's why. Well, the person who, who says, even if they say, I know better than you and here's why, the other person then has to say, well, what about this idea? Let's find some common ground. It's the same way with technology and baseball and analytics and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I ask people, like, how is that making somebody a better baseball player? Uh, usually they don't really have an answer for it. You know, right. some, of that, some of that high-level analytical stuff, what they're doing is it's helping big league teams identify patterns in players, right? Right. Just based on observational data and things that they're taking out of the game. All they're trying to do is identify, okay, on paper, here's a consistent pattern that we found in good players. The problem is that's such a huge – it takes such a large sample size over time to develop what a guy's real patterns are, you know? Sure. So, so then you try to break that down into the micro level. So if a guy came to me and says, we need to implement analytics into a 12-year-old team, 
I would say, well, why? <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Like, what's your reasoning behind it? Other than it's just cool. If, if you say the reason is because my kid's really into data and statistics and baseball, I would say, oh, that's awesome. You know, I don't think as a whole it's going to benefit us implementing that right now. But it's really cool if he wants to sit down and break down every pitch and every at bat, and that's what he's into. Maybe he should be like a statistical manager for the team instead. Sure. You know, something along those lines. Uh, so there's there's places for everything. Sure. And there's reasons to ask these questions. And that's where I just want to just keep getting as much knowledge and digging into uh, the whole aspect as possible. So that way we can just keep making better decisions for baseball as a whole moving forward. Sure. And that, yeah, that's the way, you know, that's the way I believe that you got to be, you, you know, because like you said, not every, you know, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. If I tell a parent, this is why I'm doing this. And they come back and say, well, I don't agree with that. This is why. And they give me their, their opinion on it. It also at times will give you something to go home and think about. Well, hell, maybe that will work. Yeah. You know? It only yeah. works if you do it in a civil manner. Exactly. If you, if you start with name calling, nothing yeah. ever gets accomplished. Yeah. And any kid listening out there, if you're ever in disagreement or you're ever, or you, a coach is, you, you know, treating you unfairly, like we hear a lot of my coach, he's, he's playing politics. He doesn't like me. A lot of that's bred from a parent telling them that, or maybe they just, they think that because they're not getting opportunities that they think they should have. Yeah. I would say there is nothing wrong with going in and asking a few questions to a coach, because as a coach, you're a mentor for kids, whether you like it or not, when you sign up, there's kids that are, you're going to have, are going to be, you're going to be a mentor to, sure. you're going to be over them in a, in a position of power over them. You decide who plays and things of that nature, especially as you move forward. So any coach, I mean, you really should have an open door policy to a player coming in or a parent coming in. If it's not a civil discussion, I would already, I would say, you know, that's a whole different thing to address. So if you're a parent and you you feel like your kid is unfairly treated, you know, would Ty, what would you, what's the proper way a parent should, should come in and if their kid's on the high school team and he hasn't played in the last month and a half and he just sets the bench every day, I mean, at what point are we, are we going to keep giving the kids opportunities and where should parents step in? What, what do you think? Yeah, there's, 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 there's different, uh, there's different scenarios there, you know, I mean, if uh, at the high school level or at the college level or whatever, um, nine times out of 10, if a kid goes from a starting role to a bench role, there's something, there's something else there, you know, whether it may be showing up to practice late on a daily basis or, or bad attitude or something like that. Maybe a coach is trying to prove a point, but when it comes to little kids, um, you know, I, I, and this goes back to my philosophy on this, uh, you know, uh, obviously we're not in the, the era of, you know, we don't want to go to the, you know, uh, what do you want to call them, um, participation medals, but at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I don't think that there should be one kid on the team, and that's where you have to, this is where you have to, uh, you know, kind of watch things, but I don't think there should be one kid on the team that just rides the bench every single game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that comes back to giving them the opportunity. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, so, you know, what, my- what age, what age, what age does that flip switch? So, you know, it, I, I'm in a total agreement when kids are younger, 
we should try to find ways to get them in the games. It's it's not just about winning the game. You can still compete right. without winning a baseball game. You can still compete without winning the football game. But at, at what age do you think for uh, young athletes, does that kind of have to change over naturally just to show them, hey, you know, it's not always going to be fair. And even at a young age, it doesn't have to be precisely fair to where you play two innings, you play two innings, you play two innings, you play two innings. Right. But give them some a role an opportunity. And I, I think it, I had a discussion with another coach and it was about giving them roles inside the game, even if they're not playing a yes. way for them to feel a part of it all. Yes. And that, that always kind of satisfies a lot of that, that desire to be a part of it at least. Yes. Right. But at what age, cause there is an age where whether we like it or not, uh, the better players are going to continue to play and the players who aren't as good for whatever reason, it could be skill set, It could be attitude. It could be a multitude of things. But at what age and what discretion does a coach really should they be thinking about using when it comes to some of those topics? Uh, in my personal opinion, um, freshman in high school or maybe the year, year or so before that. But mm-hmm. in, my, in my personal opinion, I think that that's when that, that's when that needs to – you know, you, you, as, as a good coach, you know, uh, building the kids up and growing with the teams as, as they get older and stuff like that, you can <clears> – <throat> You can let them know that, that that time's coming. But, I, you know, in my personal opinion, I think that it should be not until they get to high school and trying out for the high school teams. Because that's, yeah. that's, that's essentially when, you know, when cuts start to happen and, and things like that. I mean, you know, that's when, that's, you know, that's when you get to the point where, where it's a rule that they can only roster so many kids on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. So, I think it, it basically, too, I think it, it, it's doing them an in- – service you're doing a kid a disjustice if you just say hey everything needs to be fair all the way through regardless of how good you are because and i've seen it even with my own brother who got cut cut from the high school basketball team a few times he really loved basketball that was he loved it but there was Uh a point where there's just not enough room he wasn't as good a player as some of the other guys so he got cut uh and and you can look at it two ways what he ended up doing was going and joining the wrestling team his senior year and finding really his niche you know right. and if if we would have just kind of if everybody had said oh you know it's great he would have never found something that he really enjoyed and was good at that helped him build character that year sure so i think you're doing him a disservice i i would say the end all be all for any kid who's been cut is not give up on something don't just give up on everything just because you got cut from baseball Absolutely. Go find, go find something else to do that might be your niche, more into your, your skill sets and your niches, and you're going to really enjoy it and learn a lot from that, too. Absolutely, and that, and that falls back on us as, as parents and coaches as well. You know, when you're coaching these younger kids and you're developing them as they get older and stuff like that, you know, you can, you can start to have those private conversations with parents. You know, hey, you know, I, you know, I don't – this isn't meant to be rude, but, you know, little Jimmy, you know, I – you know – try out for the high school team and stuff like that. But, you know, at the same time, don't be surprised or, or here's what you can, here's what you can look to expect or whatnot, you know, and in, in saying that in a nice way. Um, but, but yeah, of course, never give up. You know, if, if you get cut from something, go try something else. I don't care if it's singing in the glee club. I don't care if it's, if, you know, whatever it is, go, go try something else. And, and a lot of times when, when things like that happen, it builds a fire in somebody when they go do something else they're more successful at. 
And that's, you kind of, and there's two ways you can approach this. So as a parent, if your kid does get cut off of a team and you think it's because the the coach, it's the coach's fault, you're doing your kid a disservice. What you can tell them instead is something along the lines of, hey, you know, I saw you tried really hard at this. Uh, It didn't work out here. You can't start thinking in the past. You can only, basically, you cannot, you can never change the past. What you can do is change your perception of the events in the past. So the actual physical, uh, the actual event of you getting cut, you'll never be able to change. But you can look at it in a negative light and say, you know, I got cut because it was the coach's fault, this and that. Or you can say, you know what, maybe, maybe that wasn't my calling. But now with what I'm going to do moving forward is work even harder towards the next goal. Right. As opposed to looking at it the other way, and now you have an excuse to be lazy throughout high school or lazy throughout whatever you're doing. It's the same way for people who get fired or even athletes at the highest level who end up, uh, it, like me, with two back surgeries. There's a point where you just can't play anymore. And I can say, oh, you know, Andy had some bad breaks in life. Yeah, I should just be able to coast through life because I had a couple of back surgeries and everybody should feel sorry for me. Right. In the real world, it does not work that way. So why should it work differently for, for younger kids? Those kids are building character. They end up being the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and laughing yeah. at the athletes later on, right? Exactly. I mean, if you get cut, you know, your freshman year, and, you know, even if you don't move on to something else, even if you want to try out for baseball again, what that, what that cut should do, with the, way, the way you should take that is, I'm going to bust my butt this offseason, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to prove everybody wrong next year. Yeah, without a doubt. I don't want to, and I don't want to give uh, people out there listening the perception that a coach should be a pushover. You know, even at the younger ages, you got to set those boundaries, like we discussed before. Sure. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there to make make coaches known. Hey, there is discretion when you're the coach. You signed up to be the coach. You're volunteering a lot of time, a lot of effort. There should be a respect factor between that. Even me being a, a former professional baseball player. If my kid is playing baseball in Little League, I'm not going to demean the coach and say I know more than you. Right. That's, you know, if the coach wants to pick my brain because I have an opportunity to go coach my kid if I want. Right. Right. So yeah. They're, they're in a role that you're not willing to take. Respect that. Exactly. Exactly. But I want to make sure that's clear that I'm not over here saying, hey, every coach should just have an open door policy and listen to every crazy thing a parent says. There's oh, a point. Yeah, no, there's- there's a, there's gotta be a line there, you know, yeah. you know, it, it, you know if, if, if a parent's coming at you every single day, complaining at you and stuff like that, you know, there, there's always a line, but, but I do believe that, that in the beginning you should, you should be open to some discussion. Okay. So moving forward and we'll stay on the youth topic, obviously, because that's kind of your, your bread and butter and I love learning about it. Uh, when, when a kid say they're not the most talented on the team, but they end up making the team, uh, having realistic goals inside of a team is very important as well. Sure. Right. Say wh- whether, however, however old you are, I think having identities on a team and some kids are just going to be better. Sure. There's, there's just no way around it. And some kids aren't going to, in the world's view, produce as much, but well, what do you do for the kids who aren't ever going to be the star? Uh, they're, they're out there working hard every day, you know, maybe getting some limited playing time here and there. What's something that you can tell those kids to kind of encourage them and, and help their parents be able to encourage them as they're going through the process? Uh, 
one thing that I do is, is, uh, you know, is again, go to the parent privately and it's, it's all about showing that you care. It's all about, you know, proving to that parent that you, that you give a crap about their kid and, uh, you know, go to them and say, Hey, I'd like to work with him privately a little bit. Hey, here's some stuff that you can work on at home with him. Uh, you know, if you're willing, um, and, you know, and just every opportunity that that kid gets, um, you know, uh, treat him the same way as everybody else on the team, you know, treat him, you know, if he does something that, that wasn't right, tell him that and tell him why and explain to him why, you know, if he does something great, give him the praise that he deserves. Um, but you know, it, when you, when you're dealing with the kid, try not to treat him different than anybody else on the team. You know, you, you, you know, you, 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 you got a kid that's, that's the lower half of the team and you hide him in right field or whatever, every single game and batting number nine hole every single game and you don't give him any attention. Well, he's, he's going to end up not wanting to play anymore because he's going to, there's going to come a point in time where he realizes or gets it in his brain that, Hey, I don't like being the worst kid on the team. Yeah. You know, and, and he's going to, and he's going to take off and do something else. And so you got to give him the same attention that you give everybody else and then give the parents attention, you know, show them that you're, you know, show up and, you know, Hey, I'd like to work with him private on Tuesday night at six o'clock. Can you guys be here? You know, uh, you know, little things like that go a long ways. Yeah. I love the, that, that aspect, you know, that's something that, that I don't really have to think of. I never really had to think about because I was a pretty good player growing up and I never expected more attention from a coach but I do know that there's probably cases where, hey, you know, there's and there's always kind of a, a group of players that they're a little more outgoing. They're a little more talkative that build a different relationship with the coach. Yeah, that's you know, I was I was usually along the lines of I just kind of kept my head down and played and I didn't ever look to a coach as like needing to be my friend. Yeah. Uh, most of my coaches, I highly I highly respected them. But it wasn't like, hey, you know, I got to be a jabber box over here and suck up to my coach. But I, at the same time, you know, looking back, I saw players sometimes that I thought were suck ups that really weren't, you know, and it was stigmas I was putting on them based on, oh, they're just trying to get more playing time or whatever. And these are real yeah. things that, that go into kids' heads. And, sure. and I never made light on anything like that. But I would think to myself, and I remember thinking to myself, and this was a little later in my career where guys would just, you know, they might even have the coach's cell number and be texting them or whatever it is and calling them and trying to be buddy-buddy. What I realized pretty quickly was the coaches that I dealt with, at the end of the day, buddy-buddy didn't matter as much as who's out there playing hard. I was I was bigger into, hey, I'll carry the catcher's equipment for the catcher after a, a hard night in the game, things like that. Uh -huh. You know, that's that's the way, I guess, if, if somebody could say, hey, you know, how do I keep out of that mindset of, I'm the best player or I'm the worst player, or I think it comes back to let's, let's remove ourselves from, from demeaning other people. And let's yeah. think about how we can better the team with whatever it is we do. Cause some of those guys uh, were keeping it more light and energetic by being chatty and doing that. Right. Yeah. So, so there, there's a role for all those different, those different personalities in a team, just because a kid's up there talking to the coach a lot, doesn't mean that necessarily they're a suck up or that they're trying to get more playing time, or just because the dad's talking to the coach after the game and they seem to have a good relationship, it doesn't mean that you have to have that same relationship with a coach for your kid to be successful. 
Sure. No. And that's, you know, that, that's, you know, and back in the, in the 90s, in 1995, uh, my team, we won the, uh, the, uh, oh, the American Legion Class A State Championship. And we had a coach. Uh, his name was Jeff Wells. And I tell you what, he didn't treat anybody on the team any different. And those were the days where, you know, uh, and those, those were the times when there were people that, that sat on the bench every single game and they just filled in spots. Um, you know, but he didn't treat them any different than he treated any of the, any of the rest of us, you know, and that, you know, that just, that goes a long ways and that makes it fun. It makes it, 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 it brings an energy to a team that, that wasn't necessarily there before. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it creates equality. And then basically the circumstance of playing is your ability on the field. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and exactly. I like, that's, I'm all about that. I'm all about, exactly. okay. If you're if you're really looking at it that way as a coach or as a parent or anybody, uh, it doesn't matter. The the best player on the team should get the same repercussion for the same thing as the worst. I think in American society, we we definitely highly tout those talented people over the less talented in in certain fields like baseball, for instance. You see in college campuses or whatever where the the star football player all of a sudden is coming out that they didn't have to go to class. Da yeah. da da da. And that gives a bad stigma to all of sports. And to all the coaches who are worried about doing it the right way, there's a different pressure to win at the Division One level than there is in high school, for sure. sure. But I can see a trickle-down effect to where that could be an influence, or at least perception-wise. So when kids are looking at situations, as opposed to saying, hey, uh, and the coach can nip it in the bud, like you said, by just treating everybody exactly the same. Sure. So, oh, you didn't show up for class? you're going to get the exact same punishment as everybody else. Sure. And maybe, and then if you miss class and you're the worst player, you're going to get the exact same punishment as everyone else as a, and have those kind of set out ready to rock to where you don't have to get into discussion of, Oh, you're playing favorites. Sure. Exactly. You can't, there, there can never be favoritism. I mean, you know, uh, I was never an exceptional standout ball player. I was a good ball player. but, and, and I played on teams with standout exceptional ball players, you know, uh, there, there were several guys on my team that, that were, were, uh, were really, really, really good ball players. But, you know, if I had to run, they had to run. If they had to run, I had to run. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. I like breaking it down in, in junior college. This is where, well, football, high school football and then into junior college is when it happened in baseball. But our, our junior college baseball coach, would he wouldn't punish people individually hardly ever, unless it was a severe circumstance. What he would do is make everybody accountable together. So if one person messed up, everybody would get punished. Yep. You know, and then what that does is make kids more accountable to that team aspect of, hey, if you're just wanting to free float out here, if you're the best player on the team and you don't do something, well, you're going to sit on the bench. If you're the worst player on the team and you don't do something and you normally set the bench, you're still going to be set the bench, but everybody's still getting punished for it. Yep. And then, then what happens is you take that good player or some of your better players, or <laughs> this is another thing they did. They would have whoever did, whoever messed up. And a lot of it was off field stuff, especially in, in, once you get into uh, being older and kids start making bad decisions, which is inevitable sure. or on a high school team, they would make that kid sit there and watch the rest of the team get punished. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which then everybody's like hey buddy get your get your act together yeah you better, <laughs> you better get that grade up <laughs> yeah yeah so then it put a little bit of conviction on them to say hey this isn't it's not all about you here like if you fail we all fail right you know and i think yep. that that's a cool way to drive home some of those team aspects that that uh, for what, you know, is gets lost. It gets lost in, in a lot of the showcase camps and, and this guy's the best and he's just going to be the best. What happens is those kids who even are really, really good, eventually they'll hit a point to where their talent isn't going to keep them going. They're going right. to have to have some of the, that character building. So all those, those qualities that get instilled in kids through athletics are just like what we're talking about now, sure. you know, driving back home that point of community and being responsible and there's consequences for your actions. Uh, the biggest thing that I hope if parents are listening that, that they can understand that, hey, if your kid messes up, they should be punished. It's not yeah. a he said, she said. If they get caught doing something wrong, they should be punished. Exactly. You know, I think there's, there's circumstances where a lot of people will say, okay, this kid messed up and what we should do is kick him off the team. Uh, I, if, it's, if he's a repeat offender, maybe, maybe. But I think well, there's yeah. lessons. There's lessons to be learned inside of that. And it, you know, if a kid does mess up and he sincerely apologizes, there's punishments and 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 repercussions for those actions. Without just saying, well, he should just be on the off the team because he's a bad influence. Maybe he needs baseball to to help him, or he yeah. needs those mentors there to kind of push him further than he would normally go. Yeah, kicking him off the team, you know, should should always be a last resort. Um, you know, there's. There's there's going to be those those extreme cases where you know like you said repeat offender if he just keeps on doing it and nobody's getting through to him you know then he he needs some other kind of help that that you know we don't we're not equipped with or we don't have the the time or the ability to give him um, but you know I don't my the last thing I ever want to do is wreck somebody's future because they they mouthed off to me one time and, yeah. You know, I mouthed off plenty when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> yeah, we all we all go through phases too, and especially as young young adults, young men and women, uh, going through trying to figure out because we're going to hit a point where we don't think uh, the people who are above us know anything, right? You know, so un- overcoming some of those boundaries and and keeping it in a respectful manner is important. Exactly. But uh, yeah, man, I love the youth talk. I love the conversations and the knowledge you're dropping. Is there is there any last like key point that that you would tell uh, people who are in in youth baseball right now and trying to kind of navigate these uh, undefined newer waters? What are what are some focuses as a parent or as a younger player uh, that they should they should be really focused on? Uh, as, as, as far as the players go, just keep working hard. You know, it's, it's, a it's, a the, the tale as old as time, man. If, if, if it kicks you to get up, wipe it off and just keep on going. Um, as far as coaches go, you know, uh, try to, like, like you said earlier, try to, try to lose the ego. You know, when I first got into coaching, um, and I, you know, like, like I'm, I'm, I learn every single day. From my from my partner at the home plate club to to my little nephew, you know he they they teach me something every single day, you know that I didn't know or that I didn't look at, you know I I had a pretty big ego at one point in time, uh, lose that, you know, uh, and and uh, learn how to teach the kids, learn how to be their friend, but also 
you know, when you, when you blow the whistle or you uh, raise your voice a little bit, make sure they know it's time to get to work. But don't ever, don't lose the respect of the kids. The, they have to respect you. They have to like you. And just make it fun. Baseball is fun, man. It's, yeah, it definitely, it's a game that is time-tested and true. And, and there's, nothing, there's nothing better than seeing kids develop uh, uh, on a field of play. I really oh, I enjoy it. that. And I think that kids get a lot of benefit out of it. And it's fun to see, I'm sure, uh, as you'll, you're going through, you're seeing kids get older and succeed in other things. And that's what most of the coaches uh, that I've interviewed, that's one of the things that they, they really enjoy. It's not whether they succeeded in base, succeeded in baseball or, or whatever. They succeeded in, in aspects of life. When I, what, the best thing for me is when I see kids that I've had an influence on, uh, you know, or, or whatnot, uh, that they're actually asking to go and hit or they're asking to go play catch. Uh, they, you know, it's on them. It's on, mm-hmm. you know, when, they, when, they, when the kids take it on to themselves, ah, man, it's the greatest thing ever. Because you, because they love it. They want to learn. They want to get better. You know, there's, there's nothing better than that. Awesome. Ty, thank you so much for your time and your input, man. Uh, wish you nothing but the best. Uh, tell everybody uh, how they can get a hold of you if they're interested in either your facility or kind of how you're, you operate it and things like that, if they have any questions for you. Sure. Uh, it's uh, homeplateclubhutch.com. Uh, home um, you can check it out. Uh, you can give uh, myself or my partner a call. Our phone numbers are on the website. And we would love to talk to anybody that, that, that wants some information or some advice or even to give some advice. Very cool. There you have it. That's Ty Lyons at Hutch Home Plate. Uh, he's a, a baseball influencer. We appreciate you so much for being on the show. Uh, thanks for your time this evening and have a good night, man. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Bye, buddy. All right. See ya.